I tell the, uh, the youth at ATG, uh, every Wednesday I see them, I, I really do praise God for Wednesday service. To come here, uh, worship being one, awesome to sing the praises of God, uh, to study His Word, but to be in fellowship with the body. I, I know many other people's work and how their lives are. This is needed. I know for me, I love Wednesday nights. So I'm glad you guys could be here, that the Lord would open up your schedule. Uh, I've definitely been in prayer over the subject and uh, just seeking the Lord and just really praying. And I, I'm glad because five minutes on Hull Street and all of that is erased. Uh, but praise the Lord. He's, uh, he's graceful and forgiving and I'm here. So, <laughs> um, so let's get started. To, uh, tonight's teaching is really called Why We Serve. It's really a time of encouragement. We all need refreshing and, and, and uh, refresher in certain verses and certain topics, and this is really to encourage all of us. Uh, so uh, I prepared two slides um, to get us started and to, to kind of think about the subject of serving and service. So Twan, if you could throw up slide one. So we've got some of my favorite sports, mine is basketball. Someone told me that was a sport, so I threw it on. So you got a lot of, uh, of different things here in athletics. Soccer, baseball, college football, ba um, basketball. And, you know, athletes spend an incredible amount of time pouring into their sport, pouring into serving their team. Uh, whether they're traded, whatever the sport is, whatever their team they get to, they, they serve it. Their families resolve, uh, revolve around it, and they really, I mean, they put everything into it. Um, they sometimes do it for the love of the game or, or for the pay, sometimes both, um, but they're serving that team. That's one way to look at it. Uh, now I'm going to try this hand at anything. No? No? Nope. Yep. Okay, there we go. Now I can't talk about the athletic side. But I can't talk about this side. I still have a few buddies in this line of work. This is uh, just another example. You have athletes that serve their teams. These serve our country, and I can tell you they're definitely not doing it for the money. These soldiers, and I praise God that there are people in this line of work performing this duty, but I will, from firsthand experience, everything revolves around what they do. Everything revolves around that uniform. Their marriages their families, where they live, everything, uh, their finances, you name it. I've seen it. And the service they give is great. What I want to highlight is both sides, whether athletes or, or in the military, and that's just two examples. I could throw up a lot of pictures of people in, in, in their workplaces or for charities. Um, they serve, and, and they put everything into serving. Now, you're probably wondering why in the world I'm showing these two slides. can't possibly have anything to do with the Bible. Okay, so let's get into that. So these two careers eventually end. They eventually stop. Uh, look at the military side, 25, maybe 35 years max in the military, and that's with a waiver. And all of that, all of that dedication, all of that service comes to a hard stop. Done. And the Lord reminds us that our life is but a vapor. And if you look at of our life being a vapor and you're spending 35 years of it, it's service for a long time, but it's temporal. 
I mean, it ends. Athletes will eventually not play anymore. Soldiers will eventually not serve their country anymore. Two examples, countless others, um, and they, they do it all because of, of they love it. Uh, I don't know one special forces soldier that serves because he hates it. It weeds you out real quick, and the only ones left are those who love it. I, I bring that up, and you can take it down, Twan. I know you just sat down, sorry. Um, only two slides. Try and hold back your awe of my PowerPoint skills. But I bring, I, I bring those both up because I need to contrast that with a Christian. And you don't necessarily see that level of dedication. Um, you look at everything that gets poured in for these two things that are temporal. But for the Christian who has something eternal, you don't necessarily see the same dedication of service. You do in some. You do. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's odd. I can watch college football for 60 minutes, and, and it goes by in the, just like a flash. Blink of an eye, 60 minutes gone. Yet, when I spend 60 minutes serving the Lord, somehow, and it's happened to me, so I can speak from personal experience, somehow that 60 minutes does not go by fast. Why? Why is that? It should go by quickly. I should have a joy to serve. So, I want to start with 1 Timothy 1.12. 1 Timothy 1.12, and, and Paul's letter says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. So Jesus appointed us to his service, just like he appointed Paul. Um, I have given my life to Christ. It was an appointment. My life is no longer mine. Uh, sometimes I try and take it back, and I would you know, hesitate to guess that you try and take your life back as well. But if you have asked Christ to be your Savior, your life is no longer yours either. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, I started preparing this lesson months ago. I had no idea when I, I might be up here teaching. I wanted to have something, and, and, and the Lord timed it to where I'd come up, and we just celebrated his resurrection. We serve a risen king, praise the Lord. And, you know, I wasn't here the Sunday prior, and I don't know what Pastor Tim talked about, but I'm sure he probably delved into Christ dying on the cross. And, you know, he served the Father. He served us in that regard. Um, I don't, you know, Jesus set the ultimate example in every instance, every, even flipping of the tables in the temple is a good example in the right context. Um, and, and, you know, it's an example. And, and am I following that example? It's a question I always have to, to, to kind of put out in front of myself. Now, when you talk about serving or, or service, you, you, you got to kind of boil it down and understand all the components. So the basic question is, why do people serve in general? And, you know, when I teach the youth downstairs... Sometimes you walk by and you might see like a big question on the, on the, the paper, the butcher block as I call it. I, I always ask open-ended questions because I want them to think. I want them to pose that question to themselves. And, and I, I do the same thing in any kind of, of, of way I, I want to get a point across is why, why do we serve? So you look at why people serve in general and you'll, there's, two couple, there's a couple things that, that I thought about. Personal satisfaction right? Some kind of personal worth. Um, 
say recognition. And let's be honest, all of us like recognition. Um, there's not a person that doesn't like it. But a, that's why a lot of people serve. Uh, and I'm not just talking about church. I'm, I'm talking service in general. Another reason might be gain. There's personal gain to be had. Um, you know, contrast that with those who, you, who, who serve in the church, and for the majority of it, they serve in the shade. It's unbeknownst to anybody else. You don't necessarily get the recognition or some sort of gain that the world classifies as such. As Christians, we can sometimes forget the basic element of service. And it's, it's kind of this weird reverse opposite disease, a total technical term I made up. But, you know, we'll help out and serve at work. Uh, I'll help out and serve a neighbor and, uh, uh, because I feel indebted to them. But somehow there are times I don't feel that same indebtedness here. I don't feel that same indebtedness to Christ or his body. It's a true story. Um, I guess last winter, my neighbor, the sun had come out to sit and turn on the truck, get it warm. It was freezing outside, you know, and just as any uh, of-age child is taught, when you leave the car, you lock the door and shut it. So, truck's running, car doors are locked. I happen to be in the garage, big surprise, and I see the commotion going on. So, I walk over, uh, I YouTube it with a really cool tool, I open the door, no big deal. You know, it took about 10 minutes. I didn't plan for it. It definitely didn't break a sweat. Well, the next day, the high school son shows up at my front doorstep and offers me a plate of homemade chocolate chip cookies. Don't get me wrong. I like chocolate chip cookies. But in the big scheme of things, I, I, didn't, I didn't really do anything. I, I didn't help them eternally in any way, shape, or form. It was a five-minute deal, but they felt indebted. So they repaid it with chocolate chip cookies. You know, I've done, I've done the same thing. I'm sure we all have. We feel indebted, and we feel that we need to repay the favor uh, to someone who has helped us. Now, is that wrong? Absolutely not. It's good to show gratitude um, for when you're being helped. Um, but you look, look at your life. Look at how you are at work or, or around with your neighbors, and you might see a trend that you'll do that more frequently or, easy, or more easily people at work or, or your neighbors, but are you doing that for Christ? Are you doing that for his body? And sometimes I can say and be honest and say, no, I'm not, and that's a problem. And I, I can say that because the Holy Spirit is pointing that out to me in my heart. So now that we kind of touched on why most people serve in general, next thing, why don't we serve? What are the reasons why we don't serve? should be a really short section Every reason you can think of. Every reason. Name it. Uh, we named, I just named two possible reasons uh, why someone might not serve. Okay, maybe there's no recognition. You know, there's no recognition in cleaning a bathroom. There's no recognition in going over and cleaning someone else's bathroom that can't clean it themselves. There's no recognition in plunging a toilet or changing a diaper downstairs in the toddler room. There's no recognition, and really no one knows when you're working in the children's ministry and you have to bite your tongue and right then and there pray for, pray for patience. No one knows that. I don't have personal experience in that. I'm just saying it's a hypothetical situation. <laughs> but, you know, there's also no recognition, and no one comes and gives you a pat on the back when you're counseling someone into the late hours of the night. 
No one knows that except the Lord. So what about gain? Well, what gain? Let's think. You counsel one of your brothers or sisters, and now your heart is burdened with what they're walking through. What about how you're giving of yourself, and, and, and you lay yourself aside, and you give of yourself to help someone else? You know, and frankly, sometimes you just don't feel like it. At Newsflash, we're not supposed to be led by our feelings either. You know what? There's sometimes I don't feel like doing stuff. I, I will be honest and upfront because, look, this is family. When I teach downstairs in ATG, it's, it's family style. I, I love all of you guys. I don't feel like serving up on air. That is not my comfort zone. That is, that's stepping, like, not out of my box. That's out there. And I'm not comfortable with it. But you know what? The Lord has said, Scott, you need to serve. And so I'm just waiting for my paperwork to come back. But that's, you know, I just, I don't feel like that. You know, that's my flesh. I don't feel like that. Those are my feelings. We are not supposed to rely on them. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So when I rely on my feelings, that is my flesh, and I am to put my flesh to death. I am not, I don't serve my flesh anymore. I, I have those chains broken. And so do you if you have asked Christ to be your Savior. You are not bound by that anymore. So two great spiritual examples came to mind when I was, when I was putting this together. Moses and Jonah. Love it. Two examples that God wanted them to serve him. So Moses is awesome, and I've, I've, I've looked at his life, and I've looked at this particular part when the Lord directly asks him to serve multiple times. Because Moses kept bringing up things that he hoped would disqualify him. He didn't want to serve God. He, you know, he goes, Lord, God, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe anything I say. So, you know, because they're not going to believe anything I say because of how I look and who I am. Don't... What? You're going to do what with the rod? Okay. You know what? I can't talk well. I don't speak good. I'm not eloquent in speaking. Aaron, huh? You going to use Aaron? Okay. All right. I'll think of something. You know, finally, he serves. Jonah, I know. You, you want me to do what? With Nineveh? No, no. No. I'm going on a boat. I hear what you're saying, Lord. I'm getting on a boat, and I'm leaving. That didn't really end up well for him. And he finally admitted in the end, but look, look at those examples and I gave you exactly what happened in the beginning. Look at the outcome. When they finally humbled themselves and were obedient to serving the Lord, look at what took place. You have Nineveh, thousands becoming saved, all because of what God simply asked Jonah to do. And you can't even begin to explain what happened because Moses was obedient, bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. Amazing. Joshua 24.15 reads, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So when, you come, when it comes down to that question and you're asking yourself the question, who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the Lord? Or are you going to serve yourself? Because that's really what it is. 
if the Lord has asked you to do something, and you're toying with, hmm, oh Lord, that's not a good night for me. You have now removed him and put you and your plans at the throne. And, and this, that's not a lifetime thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bringing that up as a lifetime example. That can be a, a moment in time. You know what? Lord, I don't, really, I don't really feel like helping somebody move on a Friday night. So I'm not good at, no, that's me putting myself at the throne of my own heart. And that, that's, that's his rightful place, not mine. Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul wrote to Timothy to encourage him. Don't be discouraged when people talk down to you because of your youth. It was an encouragement. Look, he was the pastor of a church that had a lot of older people that were older than Timothy. And now he was encouraging him in other things too, but there's always going to be something. There's always going to be a reason. Something is going to come up. Something's going to look better. Do I really want to wake up in the morning at 8 in the morning on a Saturday and come clean the church? My flesh? No. 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 But you know what? I don't listen to my flesh anymore. And if I do, the Holy Spirit reminds me I just listened to my flesh. You know, it's like... We get disciplined because God loves us. And he uses his Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts before it ever gets down the path. So, how about this? This is the, an encouraging of why we ought to serve. I love it when you can just read scripture and it kind of answers the question for you. Two reminders in 1 Samuel 12, 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. You know, <laughs> celebrating Christ's resurrection was awesome. Filled with such joy. We have to continually remind us about that because the enemy will steal our joy. The enemy in ways of the world, the busyness of our job, will try and steal that joy. We'll try and rob it. We have to remember what Christ did for us. I, you know, we often talk about the cross and, and crucifixion, and oftentimes you can pay that lip service. We have to remember what that was. That, that wasn't fun. Metal spikes through his hands and feet pierced in the side, dying of suffocation with, with, with um, a, a, a thorns pressing in through his skull. My neighbor hasn't done that. No one at work has done that. No one at work could even come close to that. I have to remind myself, Christ did that for me. I, how do I show my love for him because of it? You know, but I, I'll, I'll definitely, like, I, you know, I want to do something because it's a neighborly thing to do. Or I really want to help out at work because I see somebody that's got, a, you know, a, a, just a filled plate. That's got to transfer. That has got to be more in the house of God than it is in the world. You know, and that's really when the Holy Spirit knocks on your heart, hey, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You've been redeemed. You've been bought with a price. Come on, remember that. Now, that's not really how the Holy Spirit talks to me, but, you know, this is how I, this is how I, this is how I talk. So, you know, we serve God because of His amazing grace. That's why He sent His Son. You know, I, I don't do it, and we don't serve to try and pay that back. You can never pay it back. It's a losing battle and the enemy might trick you into thinking you have to do so much to try and pay it back. You can't. So you just serve out of love. Serve out of thankfulness. That's why we do it. James 2.26. 
For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. You know, and the works James is speaking of comes by way of serving Christ. Just walking, and in your walk, serving him. So let me ask you this. Are you convinced, and are you committed? Two questions. Are you convinced that Jesus is your Lord and Master? And are you committed to following his leading and the leading of the Holy Spirit? Why did I ask that? Well, I ask that because if you're convinced that he's your Savior, then you're going to believe that he's also your Lord and Master. And you'll desire to serve him because of it. If you're committed, then you're committed to following him and following in his footsteps. It's, it's, it's really that simple. And you can look at this in two different ways. Vertically, a vertical relationship, and horizontally, a, a horizontal relationship. And we'll get into both. So I'm going to read a quote from Oswald Chambers. For any of you that have actually read his stuff, it pulls all the punches. It's straightforward. So you know what? Just hear it. Have you ever realized that you can give things to God that are of value to him? Or are you just sitting around, daydreaming, about the greatness of his redemption while neglecting all the things you could be doing for him? I'm not referring to works which could be regarded as divine or miraculous, but ordinary, simple human things, things which would be evidence to God that you are totally surrendered to him. Ouch! Ouch! Jesus stated in John 12, 26, If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. Our Heavenly Father will honor our service. You know, the, the vertical relationship is, is the relationship between you and God. Do you serve him by being obedient? It's really a, a simple question that I think we all need to ask ourselves almost as a reminder and also as a poke in the chest. And, and did you know that God desires obedience over sacrifice? I wish I could have coined that term, but I didn't. It's First Samuel fifteen twenty two. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And this is where the Lord is actually speaking through Samuel to Saul about how he didn't obey the Lord. He obeyed about 90%, but he didn't obey the final 10% and desired to make up for it in sacrifice. wasn't accepted. So we need to remember to obey. Paul says it perfectly in Romans 12, 1, 2. I beseech you therefore. Now, remember, when you read that, Look prior, whether the first, the last couple of verses or the last chapter. So in the last chapter, Paul's reminding the Romans and reminding us about God's grace in our disobedience and his richness and mercy. Okay, so keep that in your mind. This is what he writes. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service reasonable service, reasonable, bless you, sorry, that, that was, that wasn't in my notes, so it's reasonable to serve him, it's reasonable to sacrifice and, and, and serve him, for everything he has done in your life, 
the freeing of chains, the pulling out of darkness, everything he's currently doing in your life, and everything he is going to do, has already done for you. You just haven't got there yet. we got to remember that. Reasonable. Now, you know, you sit there and you look at the term reasonable service. Notice Paul didn't say that's, that's above and beyond service. That's a bonus. You guys are going, you're, you're, you're getting gold stars for that one. No, reasonable service. Meaning, that's, it's logical. It's just logical. For everything Christ has done, it's, it makes sense. You know, I love Jesus' own words in the book of Luke 6.46, where he says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? I, I, I laugh because that has rung true in my head more times than I can count. Am I, am I calling you Lord, but I'm not doing what you're asking me to do? And that really is, for me, for me, that's Bon Air. That's Bonaire. I call him Lord, and uh, I went once years ago to visit and didn't do anything since. And I only use that because that's a personal example for me. It's going to be something different for you. It could be the Lord's knocking on your heart to pray for someone, pray for something, pray for, I pray for Israel, whatever it is. Help someone. I mean, unbeknownst, it's not a church event. It's going out, going over, and just ministering to someone. I, I don't know, whatever the Lord's telling you. You've got to ask yourself, am I calling him Lord but saying no? You've got to think of that as how the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, and my heart as well. It's a serious gut check to me in, in every instance. It really is. You know, we've each been given spiritual gifts and talents, and those are designed to glorify and honor the Lord. Because, you know, when you help someone or you're doing something on someone's behalf and they are, are, are floored and taken aback and they're, they're thanking you and showing gratitude and you just turn around and be like, you know what, that's totally the Lord. I mean, the Lord knocked on my heart and told me to come over and do it. Don't, don't thank me. It's giving glory to God for the person who really needed the help. God desires us to serve him out of love and devotion. Let, let's just be clear. He, he desires our service out of love and devotion, not, not obligation. He doesn't want us to serve and, and, and offer up and work out of obligation. You know, that's what the Pharisees prided themselves in. The Pharisees prided themselves that they kept the whole law. They worked. They worked. And that was going to satisfy God. That was going to please God and earn their salvation. We're not, we have our salvation we're not trying to earn anything. We're trying to just show the love of God through us and, and just be obedient. Like, Lord, thank you for saving me. I'm moving out. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. Uh, it's just really kind of giving back to our creator, um, and it's reasonable. Perfect example, and, and I'll use this because anybody can use this if you've worked in the toddler room. It's a perfect example for anything, any situation ever. Um, when Julie and I first started, we wanted to serve. I, I, didn't, I didn't know where, so we started serving the toddler room. When we first started, that, it, for me, it really was obligation. It, I, I knew my name was on a schedule for a, a certain couple Sundays back to back. It was obligation. I want to serve. I'm going to go in there. I'm go if I didn't have my coffee that morning, it was over. And you remember that comment earlier about 60 minutes? Try two hours in the toddler room with like 15 toddlers, right? That's bad when you do that out of obligation. I had a serious heart-to-heart -heart with the Lord. It was a one-way discussion between God and me. I didn't really talk back. 
But he had the discussion with me. The Holy Spirit can change your heart on anything. If you're serving in some way, shape, or form, and it's out of obligation, and you've lost the joy for why you're serving, go see God and let him know. The Holy Spirit will change that. When I had that happen, and I went back and served out of love, it was awesome. That didn't change the fact that I don't like diapers. Okay, let's be honest. It's not going to change that. It changed the fact that I felt a privilege in pouring into children and, and, and helping and allowing their parents to go be fed by the word upstairs. In Isaiah 44, 21, God reassures Jacob and Israel that they're his servants. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. You are my servant, O Israel, and you will not be forgotten by me. Won't be forgotten. The, the servants were not going to be forgotten by God. Look, when you serve men, when you serve your neighbor or work, men, people, we, we use the term men, means everybody, they're going to forget you. They might have benefited from you, but they're going to forget it. In fact, they may actually turn against you. We have no place, we have no place in the hearts of men, the fickle hearts of men. We don't. But God, God will never forget us. He doesn't forget his servants and what they've done. And there is a reward. We'll get to that in a second. So that's vertically. It's a vertical relationship in being obedient to God. The next, horizontal relationship. So John Wesley said, one of the principal rules of religion is to lose no occasion of serving God. And since he is invisible to our eyes, we are to serve him in our neighbor, which he receives as if done to himself in person, standing visibly before us. You also serve him in serving his body. You really do. 1 John 4.11 states, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Honestly, I could stop right there. That sums it up. I'm not going to stop right there, but that sums it up. Love your neighbor. 1 Peter 4.10 states, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And this could be done in time, talent, treasure, kind of like what Pastor Tim usually brings up. It could be done in any one of those forms. You know, as a youth group, we're walking through the book of Acts. And if you haven't read it or it's been a while since you've read the book of Acts, Go back and read it. It's phenomenal. We're in chapter 4, and the early church does this. They totally put themselves aside and give to one another. They're giving of themselves. They, they, have, they have no care for themselves. They sell off property. They, they, they give of, of their material goods. And it's, it's wonderful to see. Galatians 5.13 states, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He's saying don't use liberty, the freedom that, you know, you're not bound. You're not ordered to do something. Don't use that as an excuse to be lazy and not do anything. Serve one another. Now, I want to be clear that serving one another isn't always physically, like a physical action. You need to realize that. It can be praying for one another. James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, 
fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And I bring that up because I want to bring up the name Marianne Adlard. A woman who was absolutely bedridden in London in the 1800s, and some of you know this, prayed for revival and in her surrounding area, prayed for revival and prayed for a man called D.L. Moody. He went over because of her prayers. The Lord had him go over, and hundreds were saved when he preached in her area and at her church, bedridden. She did not lift a finger to serve the Lord in that regard. She prayed continually. You know, when I pray for someone, my eyes are off me, and uh, it's, so, it's so refreshing I don't want my eyes to be focused on me. When I get to pray for somebody else, it's rewarding because I know my prayers are heard because I'm praying in accordance with God's will and it's not for gain for myself. It's for somebody else and it's for somebody else's salvation. It's for somebody else's healing and I love it. We should have love for one another. Well, what does that mean? Let's just say, let's just say this. If I treated my wife like I love my neighbor, we'd be having some serious talks. It would not go very well. We've got to ask ourselves, is how I'm treating my brother or sister pleasing to God? If not, are you really serving and loving them with the right heart? Okay. So did you know that you can serve, but you can serve with the wrong heart? Kind of like my comment about serving, thinking it's obligation. You can serve with the wrong motivation. Ananias and Sapphira are two great examples of this. They served. They did what the early church did. They went and sold and presented money. But you know what? They served with deceit in their heart, and they did it for the attention of men. And the Lord wasn't pleased at all. You can go read that in Acts chapter 5 for yourself. See, our, our service needs to be out of the overflow of our heart. A desire to please God and just doing that by serving one another. Not out of guilt not out of personal gain, not out of acknowledgement, and definitely not checking the box. I have plenty of boxes checked in my mind. Worthless. Worthless. I don't want to do that again. I want to serve because it's what God is telling me to do. John 14, 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 39, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second's like it. You shall serve, oh, I'm sorry, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' own words. You know, we serve God in a vertical relationship and then there's the horizontal relationship in serving his body, serving one another. What about reward? Because I know you mentioned it, Scott, so you've got to kind of sum up and mention all your points. I'm going to read five verses, and I'm not going to explain any one of them because that's what I love about the word of the Lord. You really don't need to explain anything. They do all the explaining for you. Ephesians 6.8, knowing that whatever good anyone does he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Colossians 3, 23 through 24. 
I am going to say one thing about this. Most of you know the first part, but you've got to remember there's a second part to this. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Many people don't quote that when they say, do it unto the Lord. Luke 6, And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. It's real easy to love somebody that loves you and being nice to somebody that's being nice to you. Or serving someone that serves you back. That's, that's he's saying, look, no, no, no. Serve someone who doesn't serve you. Love someone who doesn't love you back. That is serving me. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my brethren, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Guys, you're my brothers and sisters, you're my family. we got to remember, as the assembly of Christ, that we're not doing this. We're not serving God for earthly rewards. Our reward is in heaven where mob and rust cannot destroy and no one can take away. The world and the enemy makes you think that you have to have some kind of reward. You have to have something. If you're doing something, someone should do it back for you. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what God's Word teaches. I read five verses out of 66 love letters from God. 66 books of the Bible, five verses. I could piece all the verses back to back, and we wouldn't have time in a Wednesday night service to go over them all. Our reward is from God, and it's not here. We are sojourners. We are travelers. This is not our home. You know, as coming as I come to a close, I'd encourage any of you guys, whatever it is, and I'm not going to name a specific ministry. That's not why I'm up here. If the Lord has put anything on your heart, like I said, praying for somebody, praying for a ministry, praying for Samaritan's Purse, praying for the Christians in Kenya, maybe it is a ministry. I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not going to assume or infer anything, but if he's put that on your heart, go before him and be like, Lord, that is not that is not what I want to do. I do not feel comfortable. It's out of my comfort zone. Just let him know. A, he already knows it. He knows your heart already. Just he's waiting for you to go before him. He'll change your heart. Just go seek him. And and remember, eternal salvation, reasonable service. Just think of that. Don't don't let don't let the enemy cloud it. Put anything in it. It comes down to, you have eternal salvation. It's your reasonable service. And I'm going to end with a quote from one of my favorite pastors and a, and, a, and a story. Spurgeon. I love Spurgeon. So listen to this. We may change our masters upon the earth, but our master who is in heaven is our master forever. We may cease to serve our country, but we could not cease to serve our God. We may cease to be linked with any denomination. Not really our problem. But we could not cease to be the servants of Christ. Even should it be possible for us to be so forgetful of our obligations as to dream for a moment of not being the servants of the church, 
we could not harbor the thought that we should cease to be the servants of Christ. I am thy servant. Let the next moment repeat it. Let the next hour echo it. Let the next year continue to resound it. Let my whole life prolong it and let eternity be a continuation of the solemn swell. I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. Love Spurgeon. Says it so eloquently. I can't do that. It's 18th century. I can't do that. So I'll, I'll end with this. Because the enemy will make you think, and for that matter, maybe other Christians have made you think that you should have some sort of tangible, visible reward if you do something. So though, and if you know this story, just sit back and listen. That's all I ask. Okay, uh, a couple years ago, a couple, uh, a while ago, elderly couple was coming back from a mission trip, spent almost all their life in Africa. They come back, failing health. They had spent the entire time in Africa, no pension, kind of depressed, didn't see a whole lot of fruit. Go to the boat to, to co- go back to New York, and no one's waiting for them, but there's huge fanfare. So President Roosevelt is coming back from a, a pretty big game hunt. And everyone's there, snapping pictures, and, and he's got a pretty warm welcome. So he gets a whole lot of attention, and the missionary couple get on the boat. And uh, on the voyage over to New York City, um, the old man really got depressed. Um, and he said to his wife, you know, something, something is really wrong. Why should we have given our lives in faithful service to, in God, to serve God all these years, and no one cares for us, and... and, and we're not getting anything. No one received us even. This man comes back from a hunting expedition, and, and there are throngs of people there, and everyone wants to be there, and he's getting so much attention. It doesn't seem fair. And you know, the wife tried to comfort him, but it didn't work. Couldn't shake the, the, the depression. Well, the boat finally gets to uh, America, docks at New York, and more bands were playing, you know, newspapers, dignitaries all welcoming the president back. Meanwhile, the, uh, the missionary couple get off the boat, and, and no one's there. No one's there to say hi or welcome back. We missed you. And they go off into New York City to find an apartment, find a job, because they didn't have anything. And that night, that first night back, the man's spirit broke. He really felt that God had abandoned them even in all the service they had provided for his kingdom. He complained to his wife, we have nowhere to go and no one's helping us. Why hasn't God met our needs? And his wife wisely responded, go into the bed and take this to him and ask him. So a little while later, the man comes out, totally different countenance. Face completely changed. He was happy and his wife just visibly knowing the difference as what just happened. He goes, you know, I went in to tell the, whole, to tell the Lord the whole thing. I told him it's not fair. I told him I was bitter. I did all this service for you, and, and, I, and I received nothing. You know, as I was finished venting to the Lord, I felt him put his hand on my shoulder and, and simply say, my child, you're not home yet. You're not getting your reward because you're not home yet. 
as we leave here tonight, remember, when you serve, you know, we do, we do our best to recognize everyone who's, who's doing even the smallest things. But remember, if you don't get recognition and you're not getting personal gain because you're not doing it for those reasons, you're doing it because you're serving Christ. When you serve in this body or you're serving Christ in some other fashion, maybe not in this body, maybe you're serving your neighborhood, you're serving Christ. Your reward is in heaven. It's not here. If you don't get anything, don't be alarmed and, and, and take heart that you're serving a risen king and he knows and remembers. Let's close in prayer. Father, um, Lord, we can't measure your love, we can't measure your grace, but we have a risen king as an example of the love that you have poured out for us. And, and Father, we just desire to serve you. Lord, I pray that tonight was an encouragement. I pray, Lord, that your words would ring true in our hearts as we leave here tonight, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit would remind us and, Lord, encourage us in those areas where we might be struggling. Lord, I pray that you don't give the enemy any foothold in an area where you're drawing us to serve in, and the enemy doesn't want that because he knows it's going to draw us closer in a relationship. Father, we praise you for tonight. Thank you for opening up everyone's schedule. Thank you for allowing this time to just be together as a family and worship you in song. And, and Lord, to have your word poured into our heart. Lord, we love you and praise you. And we just pray that your hand would be upon each one of us as we leave here tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.